And right now, 68 degrees right here at WNRI, and the Upfront program is next. It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers, and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Upfront program. I'm here uh, daily on WNRI. We uh, talk about some of the issues of the day. Today, uh, we'll be uh, covering a couple of topics. Uh, we'll be uh, talking with uh, Bud Craddock over at the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles and also uh, Chairman of the School Committee here in Woonsocket, Paul Bouaget, a little bit later in the program. And um, so it's going to be a lot of information right from, uh, I hate to uh, call uh, Bud Craddock from the horse's mouth, but, um, I mean, these are the people that actually uh, set the policy, and uh, so therefore um, we can pretty much depend on their information. Bud Craddock is uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles Administrator. He's on our live line right now. I think, Bud, the last time we chat was um, was uh, like pre-COVID. It could have been uh, that far back. Nice to have you here. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, it has been a long time, and glad to be back on with you. All right, we're going to... Uh go to a whole bunch of different uh, topics uh, and, um, and, and cover them. Uh, I, but the, the main thing we want to cover, first of all, is something that's upcoming uh, on July 1st. Uh, it's called the Driver Privilege Card. And uh, so uh, I was wondering if uh, you could tell us uh, uh, how undocumented immigrants uh, can participate in what this program is about. Bud Craddock. Sure. Good morning again, uh, and to, not only to you, but also your, your listeners. Roger, the driver privilege card was uh, passed into law by the legislature last uh, legislative session, and we've been working diligently to make sure we're ready uh, for when July 1st comes around. Uh, it, it actually will start uh, officially on July 3rd, the first is a Monday. I'm sorry, a Saturday, rather. So we'll be starting to uh, process the first applications on uh, Monday the 3rd. What is it? Is it a is it a regular driver's license, or is it uh, uh, something like a green card that somebody would get in, you know, to get into the country? Is it a sure? Uh, well, what's the level of the license? Actually, it's going to look the same as a non-real ID compliant license. So it'll look the same as any other license. It won't have the gold star in the corner. And like other people who have opted not to get a real ID, it will say not for federal identification purposes. Um, what it does is it um, makes them legal uh, to uh, to be uh, on the road and not get into any trouble, right? That's that's correct. It gives them the, the, the same rights and privileges to drive a motor vehicle just as any anyone else uh, who is able to prove legal residence in the, in the country. All right, and we have uh, a number of undocumented uh, immigrants here in Woonsocket. So how would they uh, go about applying? Okay. The first step is they're going to have to make sure that they have filed a tax return for the last uh, tax year. Uh, they have to uh, file that tax return and then they will go to the Division of Taxation and they will get a certification that they filed that. At that point, once they've done that, they're able to make a reservation at the DMV in Cranston. That's where the, we will be processing uh, these applications. And they will be able to, at that point, uh, come in with the documentation. There is a, a very extensive checklist on the DMV website telling them what they're going to need. Uh, there is also a list of frequently asked questions in English and Spanish, uh, and we also have Google Translate capability on the DMV website. So if they actually uh, are a uh, language other than English or Spanish, uh, they're able to translate it to their own particular language 
and then uh, able at that point come in. They take the knowledge test. They will be able to then once they take the knowledge test, they'll get a driver's permit, just like any other driver. They'll then after 30 days, they're able to uh, make a reservation for a uh, road test or a uh, closed course road road test, and then they'll be able to get their license at that point, assuming they pass both the knowledge exam and the uh, road test. Bud Craddock is with us. Uh DMV administrator, and he is not a politician. But uh, when this legislation was being discussed, there was uh, quite a bit of um, controversy uh, in the state of Rhode Island. But your job, once the legislation is passed, is to um, apply uh, the uh, past legislation to uh, the running the registry. <laughs> so, so therefore, uh, you go with it, right? Exactly, Roger. When in your opening, you said we set the policy. We we actually don't. We enforce the law that has been passed by the legislature and then we we just try to make sure that we make it as uh, smooth a process as possible for everyone that walks through our door so now we're going to have um um i'm there are different kinds of license let's talk about licenses uh, for a second and uh, when we finish up the interview we'll uh, we'll go back to uh, the july 1st driver's privilege card again for late tuners in so that uh the main purpose of our program uh, to uh, make sure that people know this program is up and coming. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that again. But back to licenses. I, so there's a uh, there's, uh, regular license and, uh, and then there's uh, the, the special license, the one uh, that permits you to fly, um, uh, you know, anywhere in, in the country. Um, and that, what, what do you call that uh, license? That, that particular license is a real ID. Oh, that, the real that's ID. a standardized uh, mm-hmm. program across the country. Uh, it, the deadline was this year. They pushed it back until May of 2025. Uh, so people that don't have one that uh, do plan on flying uh, can at that point uh, between now and then get their real ID. Now, keep in mind, real ID is an optional program. It is only uh, for individuals that are going to go into certain federal buildings or want to use that identification uh, to board a domestic flight. Uh, there, are other, there are other alternatives to a real ID, such as a military ID, a passport. Uh, so some people have opted not to get the real ID because they don't want to bring the other documentation in that's necessary. Hey, but so, how, how popular has it been, the real ID? Uh, did people grab onto it, or are they just like, like uh, their old regular license? <laughs> right. Well, right now we have about 45% of the state has a real ID. Mm-hmm. And we have close to 800,000 licensed uh, drivers. All right, so, so we're, we're about the fifty percent mark. All right, and and I guess a few uh, a few people every day uh, move into uh, into that category. So uh, I think you might expect it to grow uh, somewhat uh, as time goes on. We we do. There is, uh, I want to say, there's a little over hundred thousand people uh, between now and then that are going to be renewing their licenses. So those people uh, will have the option that you know during their license renewal period to get the real ID. Uh, if you do it when you are up for a renewal, there is no additional charge. If you do it off your regular renewal cycle, then it's a 2250 uh, charge to uh, change the license. So circling back to the driver uh, privilege card for a second, uh, so that card is uh, not for flying, it's not for going into a government building, that card is, uh, is, is for being on the road legally, right? Exactly. It's strictly for driving a motor vehicle. Okay. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, license plates uh, for a few seconds. Uh, sure. Um, people um, 
have uh, really, uh, I mean, people really go, uh, go. well, I want to say go crazy about it, but, um, you know, I could care what kind of a license plate is on, on my car, but uh, there are a lot of Rhode Islanders who care very much uh, about it. And tell me about, about how enthusiastic people are about getting certain kinds of plates. Well, people uh, have the option to go to, Number one, the uh, normal plate that we call Ocean is the new two-tone blue uh, blue plate that has five small waves compared to the old uh, wave plate that we had. Um, we also have, uh, I believe it's about eight or nine charity plates, like the Boston Bruins Foundation, which we recently issued. We have the Red Sox Foundation, Patriots Foundation, Palm Beach Light, um, the Mr. Potato Head plate, which I think is Rhode Island Food Bank. And there are a couple others. Uh, the one that has really taken off is the shark plate for the uh, Atlantic Shark Institute. Uh, they have been uh, setting records in, in the way they have gone through and uh, gotten people to sign on to their plates. They're up close to 5,000 plates, and that was within just a matter of a couple weeks. People are fascinated with shocks. <laughs> yes, they are. From Jaws yes, to uh, to the present. So that is clearly the most popular plate out there. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the most pop- popular one is the Plum Beach Light plate. Tell me yeah, about that's that. That's the most popular. Uh, that's the light that uh, the lighthouse uh, that's right near the Jamestown Bridge. Uh-huh. And that plate has been around for a while, but that's the, uh, the one that we have the most popular. Uh, issued at this point in time. Now, with that said, the shark plate, uh, they met them. You have to have 600 as a minimum to be able to get one of the new uh, charity plates issued. And they were over 4,000 within a matter of a week or two. Uh, the, it was the lighthouse plate, is that what you called it? Uh, yeah, the Plum Beach yeah. Light. Uh, why is that so popular? I mean, uh, just like uh, you, you caught me off guard on that one. Um. Why is that so popular? Well, number one, I think the plate has a very nice design. I think a lot of people took to the design of it. Uh Um, There wasn't a special campaign uh, of lighthouse Well, everybody, the people that sponsor these plates do try to market them. Mm -hmm. This is not something that DMV does. We just issue the plate once they meet the minimum. So it's up to the charity themselves to market the plate. And Plum Beach, I think, was very successful that actually started before I became the administrator uh, and has remained to be very popular. Uh, Again, like I said, we've got the Patriots, the Red Sox. Uh, One that's fairly new is the Rocky Point Foundation uh, to support the Rocky Point uh, public space. But I have a... uh, There are a few others. I'm going to change subjects. I have a little political uh, type of question, uh, sort of political, but the... uh, Department of Motor Vehicles is under the Department of Revenue. Am I correct there? That's correct. There right. was the Department of uh, Motor Vehicles along with four other uh, divisions. Now, I was going to ask you, how are you guys self-sustaining? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I get uh, regular communications from DMV uh, to pay for this and to pay for that, and I'm always shelling out money uh, for the privilege of driving. Do, does that, all that revenue that comes into your uh, your department make you self-sustaining, or do you have to go to the General Assembly and, and get additional dollars? Our, our budget is through the General Assembly. Most of the money that we collect goes to the Highway Maintenance Fund. All right, so the money we pay doesn't 
pay to uh, your salary or, or uh, other uh, workers at DMV. It's an appropriation no. from the General Assembly. Yeah, that's correct. I didn't know that. I'm glad I asked the question. I maybe you're not glad I asked it, but I'm, but, glad, <laughs> I'm glad I asked it. You know, that's a, that's a matter of public record that, the, mm-hmm. uh, again, most of the funds that the DMV collects goes to the uh, Department of uh, Transportation for the Highway Maintenance Fund. There are some line items that go to just to the general operating budget of the state. Well, I'll tell you, in all the years I've been paying uh, uh, out fees to, to the uh, Registered Motor Vehicles, Department of Motor Vehicles, didn't know that. And, uh, hey, this is why we do a, a program like this, because I uh, want to get to uh, the person who who has the answers. Let's visit the registry. Um, so the uh, last time I visited the registry was pre-COVID, and I was able to, you know, just go up the street here. The long-awaited uh, location on Diamond Hill Road at the shopping center. Glad you're there. You could easily walk into the place and, uh, you know, take your number and so forth. Let's talk about 2023, visiting the registry, how different of an experience it is, how people frustrated about uh, having to make an appointment, or has it all worked out in the end? It has worked out in the end. People love it. Uh, we, again, reservation only. And when you used to take the number in the past, Roger, you could, you, the average wait time was 60 to 70 minutes, and sometimes would be well in excess of that. Right now, our average wait times are down to 12 to 14 minutes. 12 to 14. So, Pretty good, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. it is. I'd say that's good. And, and, and again, it, it makes for a more personal experience for the customer. Uh, they're able to spend a little bit more time individually with, the, with our CSRs. And the CSRs are able to be a little bit more um, focused on that particular person rather than just trying to push people through because of the, of the, the volume in the, in the building. And I'll also note that because of COVID, we were able to expand the opportunity to do additional uh, transactions online. And between that and with the reservation-only system, we're servicing the exact same number of people as we did pre-COVID. And again, like I said, with a, about a 75% reduction in our wait times. After, uh, I mean, you were kind of like, uh, because of COVID, uh, forced to make some, some changes. But um, should this have been done 20 years ago because uh, it seems like it's a more orderly system. It is more orderly. Uh, again, that there has been discussions about using them in the past. It's just that uh, for whatever reason, we could just never get it done. And now we've got uh, a very, very robust uh, reservation system. When we had launched our modernization system back in 2017, we used reservations only just to manage the flow so that our staff could uh, learn the system appropriately. Uh, after that was over, uh, we had a reservation system that was sufficient, but it wasn't the best that we could use. And we had actually taken that off uh, the shelf, put it, dusted it off, and we're using it on Saturdays for some real ID appointments. COVID came along, so we, we hit the ground running with the reservations, and we were only closed during COVID for two days. The MV uh, in Cranston was open the entire uh, pandemic except for two days few uh, questions have come in from our uh, listeners uh, so i'll just finish off one more question and uh, that i had on mind so the fees that we pay to the department of motor vehicles whether it's for license plates or registering uh, a vehicle or getting a license are, are, are we uh, one of the highest uh, 
paying fee uh, in the country, or uh, is it cheaper somewhere else, or are we in the middle? Um, what's what's the deal on our our uh, our fees that we pay? I haven't looked recently, but the last time we did look, we're fairly consistent with other states. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Roger and guest. Uh, this is a reading in the email. You're my guest, bud. Uh, All righty. Why do you have a barcode on the new Rhode Island license plates? Very simple. Those license plates are uh, manufactured, and they are matched up with a registration certificate. Rather than having to rely strictly on somebody visually looking at the registration certificate to make sure they're matching it up right, they scan the plate and they scan a barcode on the registration certificate to make sure they're matched up appropriately. Second question. Please, <laughs> you'll get kicked out of this. Please ask, why is there a barcode on the new license plates? You just answered it. So, about uh, two people right in a row on yeah. that. Uh, next question. Can you ask Mr. Craddock about senior drivers in Rhode Island and whether they ever have to give up their driver's licenses? So, uh, what kind of a, do you have any kind of a policy on on drivers as they get a little bit older and, and maybe not as um, uh, good a driver as they used to be? We don't have a specific policy. Now, over over 75, it becomes a two-year license rather than a, a five-year license. Mm-hmm. So that, the reason behind that is uh, for vision checks to make sure people can still see appropriately. Um, we don't have a solid policy that somebody has to give up their license at a particular age. Usually that decision is made by the individual or at at the behest of family members. Or sometimes we do get complaints from law enforcement about particular individuals. And then there is a a process that we have the people uh, go through to make sure that they are still capable of driving safely. Hey, bud, how's your computer system working? Some of the uh, state agencies (laughs) have had meltdowns of their their system. I was just wondering whether you have a good vendor and a good uh, software package. Well, uh, great question. We launched our modernization in July of 2017. Um, It was around the same time as other agencies were trying to uh, do modernizations. Uh, We were told afterwards that we were the first in the country to do a big bang launch, which means we launched every DMV system at once. We were the first in the country to do it, and we did it successfully. We are currently close to 17 million transactions completed without a failure. This is not an email question. It's uh, one uh, handwritten. I guess I called it in. Uh, uh, why do illegals get a discount license fee? And is that accurate or not? Do they get a discount license fee from uh, somebody who isn't illegal? No, they do not. They get the exact same fee uh, for a first-time license as any other Rhode Islander. All right. And uh, the uh, purpose of our uh, our interview uh, this morning was to uh, t- uh, talk about that program. It starts on the 1st of July, and for late tuners in, uh, Bud Craddock is with us, and there is a new uh, program. It's called the Driver Privilege Card, and as I remember the political debate, uh, those who were for this called it a safety uh, issue. That is, uh, let's... Uh, Let's get drivers uh, on the road because they have a license and therefore they can get insurance. So maybe you can take us through uh, the uh, thinking of why this was a good idea. Well, keep in mind, you're going to have these many people driving anyway. It, it, they have to get to work. Uh, 
that they may not be in an area where public transportation is appropriate. So many times these individuals are already driving uh, because they drove in their home country. Now we have uh, control over making sure they're aware of what our laws are, the, the rules of our roads, and also, too, that, um, yes, they will get insurance, they will be licensed to drive. So, again, it, it does come down to safety for everybody else that's out there motoring around on our, our roads. And now I'm going to ask you a question unrelated to uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, this is more a state police uh, question, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you as Bud Craddock, a Rhode Island resident. So over the weekend, I had a visitor from Canada, and um, and so I was taking them around uh, Rhode Island uh, and uh, went to uh, the beach area, all over the place. And driving on 295, for instance... Um, uh, my visitor was noting that I was going uh, 68 miles an hour. Uh, the speed limit is 65, uh, so I'm a little bit over. And uh, and in that third, you know, the passing lane, there must have been cars coming at, at 85, 90 miles an hour. They weren't stopped by the state police. But I was just wondering if Bud Craddock, the administrator, as a private guy uh, driving the highways, notices that post-COVID, at least I have. Post COVID, they are going faster than they've ever been, and this is not in your jurisdiction to stop speeders. Comment, please. Well, I, I have heard from other people that it does seem that individuals are driving a little bit faster. Um, I mean, in, in for the state police, I mean, you'd have to ask them that question about what their enforcement efforts are. Sure. Uh, I do know that. Most people, you know, if you recall, I'm former law enforcement from the city of Cranston, and I do know that people don't drive fast when they see an officer or a trooper. So if they don't see somebody on the road, they're going to be a little bit heavier with their foot on the pedal. Uh, when you are out there and are seen, traffic does slow down. But, again, you can only you have so much staff working, and you try to put them in the uh, best locations to try to... Uh, make sure the traffic is moving in an appropriate manner. Final question again. <clears throat> Back to the uh, driver privilege card. I got carried away and onto another <laughs> topic. Uh, but uh, just run down the program for us where where people can uh, register, how much it costs, and who's eligible, and what kind of a card, what, what will it look like? Here's Bud. Sure. The card will look the exact same as any other driver's license in Rhode Island. Uh, the difference with that is it's going to be a not-for-federal identification uh, listing on the top of the card, uh, just the same as around 400,000 of our other citizens have. Uh, it will not be able to be used to get into certain federal buildings or uh, to fly domestically uh, like a real ID could. Uh, individuals that want to apply for the, one of these cards, if they cannot establish legal uh, residence, uh, they have to f make sure they have filed one year of tax returns with the state of Rhode Island. After they file that tax return, they can go to the Division of Taxation in Providence uh, right across from the state house in the, in the uh, Department of Administration building, and get a certificate. Once they get that certificate, they make a reservation with the Division of Motor Vehicles. Uh, they come in, they take that permit test, they're issued a driver's permit, and 30 days later, they can make a reservation to take a driver's test. Is it a pathway for insurance uh, for uh, these people once they get the, uh, the card? You don't need a license for insurance, the uh, insurance is for a vehicle, so you don't need insurance for a uh, license. However, if they are driving a vehicle and they register a vehicle, 
uh, at that point in time, they will need the uh, insurance. And we verify that uh, with insurance companies to make sure that people are insured. Hey, but did I miss anything in our uh, interview today? I just wanted to do a kind of an overview, but, uh, you know, I, I could have missed uh, something that uh, is prominent. So here's a chance for you to say, yeah, Roger. No, I, I thank you, Roger. Uh, it, it, it's always great to talk to you. And, and one of the things that, that I would always stress with uh, your listeners is that please remember that uh, you do need a reservation for all transactions with DMV. But also check online because we have expanded our ability to do uh, online uh transactions so that you don't have to come to the DMV. Well, maybe before you leave, you could note what maybe you had to come in for once before you can do online, because I certainly would be interested in that. And I don't sure. have any, well, the, any objections visiting the people here in Woonsocket, but I'd, I'd rather do it online. Absolutely. One of the things that we've done most recently is giving people the ability to cancel registrations online. Uh, you used to have to come into the DMV to do that. Now we've set up the ability that if they do dispose of a vehicle, they can do it online, do that remotely. Uh, we've also given them the ability, or we should have it up and running pretty soon, where they're going to be able to do a customer portal where they'll be able to go in and, and check uh, their own personal information to make sure everything is appropriate and they can see the status of their license, the status of their registrations, uh, just so that they're aware of uh, what they have to be doing and at what uh, point in time. And I want to thank Paul uh, Grimaldi for uh, setting up our interview. He's our contact, and uh, he's always cordial and always reaches out, and uh, we uh, we appreciate the uh, communication. Thank you, bud, for uh, joining us. Have a good one. My, my pleasure, and you have a good one. It's always, like I said, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Bud Craddock. And, whoops, uh, turn that one off, Raj. Bud Craddock, Administrative Department of Motor Vehicles on our program. And um, and talking about uh, the registry, as uh, we have affectionately called it over the years. All right, commercial time, and then we'll talk education. Back in a moment. Another Medicaid information meeting is coming Thursday, June 15th. If you or someone you know is on Medicaid, you should know that the annual Medicaid renewals resumed April 1st and will be ongoing for the next year. The most important thing Medicaid members can do right now is update their contact information so that the state can send important updates about coverage. Community Care Alliance staff will help you get it done. Just drop in at 55 Cummings Way on June 15th. Sessions are from 1 to 3 p.m. Help sessions are free and an easy way to ensure that you don't lose coverage. See you Thursday, June 15th at 55 Cummings Way, Woonsocket. The Honey Shop is fast becoming a household name. A food manufacturer, they make natural health products, honey products, and gourmet foods, such as infused olive oils, balsamic salsas, hot sauces, gluten-free soups, jams, apple cider vinegar products, pasta sauces, teas, sugar, barbecue sauces, natural nut and seed butters, and yes, more. If you love food, you're going to love The Honey Shop. Many of their products are available in-shop for sampling. Their signature product of course, Breathe. It's an all-natural cold and allergy remedy. Made, of course, with honey. It was invented in 2013. In addition to the food and health products, they also host workshops, classes, events, and educational hikes. So if you're looking for a true shopping experience or are looking to add a little spice to your life, stop by for a bite. The Honey Shop at 1300 Park Avenue.
through in one socket the same building that houses CAOM picture framing gallery. You'll find the Honey Shop right here in the city of one socket. The go-to place for authentic Italian dining is Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Over 20 Italian dishes made to order from our menu or experience our Sicilian-style pizza. Build your own while you choose from your veggies, meats, and cheeses. And, of course, our traditional family-style chicken dinner is offered every day. Savini's Pomodoro on Rathbun Street with affordable accommodations for weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, and business meetings. Close Mondays open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays at noon. For reservations, call 762-5114. That's 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. Inviting you to join us at our family-owned businesses, Savini's or Ciro's. Perfect for any event. All right. Soup and salad bar now available. And Papa Savini's famous roasted chicken and noodle soup also available by the 32-ounce jar to take home at Savini's Pomodoro. Open at 4 this afternoon. And on Tuesday's uh, half price on wine, I'm looking at a nice, uh, a nice uh, J. Lore Cabernet. And it's uh, regularly $34 for that bottle of wine and uh, cut it in half every Tuesday night. Half-price wine specials at Savini's Pomodoro. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel uh, has gone from Bud Craddock from the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles to the chairman of the school committee by invitation. I called him uh, and I wanted to uh, clarify some information and uh, he uh, graciously agreed to be with us. And this is Paul Boyer. Hello, sir. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. Glad to be on the program. Glad to have you here. So um, we usually uh, invite you and the superintendent and we talk about uh, school department things. I am going to... Um, say that uh, what a great call it was to bring the graduate, <laughs> great, a spectacular call to bring the graduation from uh, Barry Field to, to the um, to the high school because I was looking out the window when the graduation was happening with the thunder and lightning. What a disaster that would have been, huh? Oh, uh, let's remember during the winter the superintendent called two snow days. On days where it didn't snow. <laughs> so he was 0 for 2. So, so now here he is calling graduation indoors, and it's sunny out at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We were all on pins and needles, uh -huh. and then sitting in the auditorium, and then you could hear that rain pound on the roof. We all smiled. <laughs> because as the graduates were coming into the uh, high school for graduation, they, some came up to me and said... What in the world are we doing here? Why aren't we in Barry Field? I kept telling him, it's going to rain. The, one of the students told me, are you looking outside? See that? That's called the sun. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm glad we uh, set it up indoors. It was a magnificent, uh, you know, uh, graduation exercise. <clears throat> we didn't hear any aggravation about the rain afterwards uh, because it saved the day. It was a great day. Thank you. That's not the reason we called you here, though. I know. And, um, <laughs> but, I mean, I asked the question, so, yep. uh, right. So, this is a, a little bit, I called you the other day because I was um, somewhat confused uh, about it, and you certainly helped me uh, understand it. Uh, we're talking about something that is not a total deal yet. There are a lot of unanswered questions. But it is, I think, uh, um, a milestone in the sense that um, uh, we already have... Um, 
do we have four high schools in your opinion or three high schools uh, do you when we talk about Woonsocket High School and the Korea Tech facility do you consider them separate high schools no they're same they're the same okay so we have three high schools right Woonsocket High School Mount St. Charles and Beacon Charter High School now the issue here is that we could end up with Two new buildings here in Woonsocket that are not going to be uh, a bond issue uh, on uh, on the ballot or anything like that. It looks like uh, a public-private partnership, and it's all in the Fairmount area, and it's two schools, one a high school, one an elementary school. Try to explain this as simply as you can. What is going on? I'll do the best I can. Uh, like you said, when you began your your remarks that there are many things that are not finalized. Um, separately from the hundred million that the school department received for the construction of a new school, uh, the refurbishment, if you will, of the middle schools to bring in our fifth graders uh, and move that around, and some um, and to do some uh, safety uh, upgrades in our schools. Uh, this is a separate, separate project, which, is, which I find very exciting. Um, and we're going to call it the P3 project because that's what it's known as. Why the P? Don't ask. I don't know. But we'll call it the P3 project. Separately from the $100 million that we received from RIDE, um, the, the, this project is, is calling for the construction of a RISE Mayoral Academy High School, and on the same area, a Woonsocket Education Department Elementary School. So in the same area, and what what is being contemplated that these two buildings would be uh, built in the Dunn Park area in Fairmount. Okay, it's being uh, it's being financed. Originally, it's being uh, I mean it's going to be uh, taken care of. The architects are civic planners, I believe. And they are going to do the entire project. Um, the financing is being, I mean, from a WED point of view, we're, we're still going to get our 94% reimbursement. Uh, so we're going to pay 6% for a new school. And that's what's exciting. It's exciting the fact is we're going to get a new school for 6%. And it's going to be in Fairmount. Because the last thing we want, because we know Coleman needs so much work that it's going to be closed. But that would be the third school in the Fairmount area that'd be closed. Second Ave, Fifth Ave, now Coleman. Now, if we can build, if the, this project can be erected in the Fairmount is, uh, area, they get a brand new school, and that's exciting. Also, um, uh, if, if uh, students have a choice, you know, right now you get you have Beacon, you have Mount, and you have Woonsocket. This would give students and parents another option. Um, so that's exciting as well. Um, how it's financed uh, is going to be through the civic, the civic planner group. The city council is meeting tonight to discuss this project, and we'll see what they accomplish as a result of the meeting. Uh, we hope that they approve it. We hope that some of the uh, items that are still questioned uh, will be answered, and so that when it comes to the school committee, we will have all the, all the information we need to make a decision to move this along because it's important for both the for rise has already approved it from what we know school committee should be approving it the city fathers have to have to agree to this because the land has to be sold 
Don't forget, this is a city land. It's a park. Uh, it's been appraised. I don't know for how much. I don't have the numbers. Uh, but it's going to be sold, and I'm not sure if it's to the civic. It could be to civic planners. It could be to, uh, it could be to ride. It could be to the state. And then when all, everything's built, et cetera, et cetera, down the road, once all the loans are paid off um, from the monies, then it's got to it's got to come back to the city, not owned by us. It could be owned by the state, but school committee, we don't own anything. Well. We're basically vagabonds. We, we we manage all the school buildings, all the properties, but we own nothing. School department owns nothing. So the, as you can see, there's a lot of work still left to be done, and we hope we can get this thing wrapped up because it's important because there are certain deadlines. Some have been extended, but certain deadlines uh, that have been set for for the applications because they're in stages. Stages one, two, three, et cetera. We got. They have the this P three project. The stage two has to be approved, has to be submitted and approved. So there's still quite a bit of work to be done, and there are deadlines that have to be met. So it, although you know you say well you want to take your time and do it right, well there's an urgency, there's an innate urgency to get it done, and hopefully we can get this done properly. But that's basically it. Two separate projects. The hundred million dollars that we received from the state. This is a civic planners. That's a whole different project. It's to be set in Fairmount at Dunn Park. Uh, the land has been identified. It's being appraised. It's got to go to council. And they're looking at it tonight. And then we'll see what happens. And then it's coming to the school committee. So the company uh, is civic. Uh... I think it's called civic planners. Mm -hmm. And I may not have that right. I but I'm sure in, we'll, we'll know very shortly exactly what the name is. I keep getting it mixed up with somebody else. But I think that's it. Civic planners. Tonight, uh, the council is meeting. And what gives me a clue that they're sort of already buying into this is who uh, sponsored it. Uh, Beauchamp, Thompson. Gonzalez and Manseri. Uh So uh, I think that uh, there's, um, uh, you know, the kind of support to uh, to buy to buy into this. I read the <clears throat> resolution from the agenda in a little more detail. Sure. And there's um, probably people who say, well, what about the playground? Well, uh, there's an acre of land that has been cut away uh, from the Dunn Park area to retain the playground Absolutely. as it is. So, That's part of the plan. Right. So um, That's important to us. Right. Dunn Park is, is going to be there as it relates to the visible part of Dunn Park. Yes. The other part of the uh, parcel is for the new elementary school and the high school. So let's talk just a second on the new Fairmount Elementary School. You've already covered this, but I want people to know that will be... A, um, a school under the control of the Woonsocket Education Department. So you pick up a school. I know you don't own the school. But we but pick you, up a school. But you pick up the administration of a school. And uh, the kids won't have to be uh, bused as far. Or, and some of them will be able to walk there, right? Correct. Right. Uh, let's remember, early on, a year ago, we were talking about getting $150 million for the st from the state um, to, build, to build schools. Mm -hmm. Well, we find out that we're not getting $150 million, We're getting $100 million. But now, with this new independent uh, financing, we're actually picking up a school. So we're, we're getting a school. It's like we're getting $150 million in two pieces. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I, I, if everything can go right, if every, all the 
T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and everything works well for both the city fathers and mothers as well as the school committee and the community. I think it's a home run. Generally speaking, uh, an elementary school would be about $50 million. Mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah. You know, it's going to be in that area. I, I'm not sure where it's going to be. It's going to be a smaller school than the one we're contemplating uh, uh, for uh, the $100 million. It's It's a little bit small, but you know what? It doesn't have to be that big because in Fairmount, we've got Right now, we got about 250 kids going to that school. It's the smallest school we have. Recognizing that you are not a uh, representative of the Rise Mayoral Academy. Or, right. Uh, right. But, however, um, the other school, the high school, will be a Rise school. Now, is this the same Rise school that I heard about a couple of months ago where they were going to build a high school? And then I was thinking of where their current school is and so I said, where are they going to put the high school? Is this going to be the school I think that, so. that they were talking yeah, about? Right. Well, take a look, take a look at uh, the educa- uh, WED, Woodstock mm-hmm. Education Department. we got schools all over the place throughout the city. we got one high school. It's in the Cass Park area. So uh, where the Rise Mayoral Academy, which is elementary, is sitting right here on Cumberland Street, it doesn't make any difference. We put the high school. It's in town. All right, and the um, the new high school will uh, again. You're not a spokesperson for Rise, but it probably will serve the region of North Smithfield, Boroughville, and Woonsocket. I believe it'll be the same. Right. So therefore, we have to ask you, though, directly related, how will this impact uh, Woonsocket High School? Uh, will it uh, take students away, and uh, sure. is that is that a drawback or is that a good thing? I I think it's it's neither. I I think it's a good thing. So we've got some overcrowding. In the high school, so, but more importantly, you got families are going to have a choice. They'll have an extra choice to make. So, yeah, we're going to lose some students, um, but but don't forget, there's three communities, so it's not going to be all in socket high kids. Uh, when sockets resident kids, they're going to be from three communities. But yeah, we'll lose some. Um, but you know what? We're constantly gaining students, constantly, uh, where other communities have dropped, we're increasing. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, we're certainly not going to have to cut classes or whatever because many of our classes are overcrowded as they are. So it's not a bad thing. Uh, I think it, it gives uh, families a choice. I mean, we're always thinking about choice. Um, this is another choice you have. You're not just going to have Mount and Woonsocket. You're going to have a third. Five years ago, Paul, uh, would you say that your feeling about um, choice and charter schools has shifted a little bit in the sense that uh, they finally maybe have found their place in the spectrum of education? I'm not sure if they, if that's true, um, but I can tell you from a Woonsocket's point of view, the the, uh, the charter schools have not hurt us. As a matter of fact, you take a look at the graduates that we've had in, all, uh, you know, in the schools. I don't care if it's Mount Woonsocket, uh, the Beacon, or <coughs> Rise, all of them. I think us uh, kids are benefited. My, 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 I always thought that we would be threatened with a massive exodus from our schools, and that's not really happening. Sure, we're losing some, but we're gaining some. So at the end of the day, our classrooms, in, 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 for example, in our elementaries, they're jam-packed. They average 25 to 26 kids a class. That's a lot. So... Uh, you can't bleed. It, it's so if they get an opportunity, if families can have an opportunity, and they want to make a choice, don't forget some families choose homeschool until they find out how tough it is to be a homeschooler. It's brutal. You you become your own education department at home. Uh, how do you do that? 
So it, it, there's a lot to homeschooling. It's not just keeping your kids at home. There's a lot of work to be done. So if we can give parents and students an opportunity or a choice, I'm fine with that. And if you say, well, maybe you've been whittled down, I look at the reality of it. The charter schools aren't going away. Um, so if we can be part of it, where WED can be part of it, why not grab a new school? Why not uh, imp- hopefully improve the experience of our students? It would be interesting, a city of less than well under uh, 50,000 people having four uh, full-grown high schools uh, doing business here in town. Huh? Well, Beacon is a different school. As we mm-hmm. know, it's a good high school, but it's for it's specialized. Uh, then you have Mount, you have Woonsocket, but take a look at Providence, how many schools they got, Warwick or wherever. Yeah, sure, they got more people, but it's good to have choice. I, I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't complain about that. Back in a moment, uh, we'll finish up our interview. Um, but uh, let's check in with Scott McGee. He sells real estate. Scott McGee from the Stearns McGee team is ready. Whether you're buying or selling a home or just curious about the local market conditions, Scott would love to offer his services to you. He knows the local community, both as an agent and a neighbor, and can help you guide through the nuances of the current real estate market. So let Scott work hard for you. Your real estate experience will be memorable and enjoyable. You can reach him directly at 401 630 Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 1130 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 1130 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices awaiting you at the Roast House. All right, Roast House here in Blackstone, Massachusetts. And I'm looking at their luncheon menu, and um, uh, corned beef sub-melt is uh, one of the items. Barbecue chicken sandwich, tuna salad melt, haddock tacos, so many choices. However, when you go in there, um, last time I was in there for lunch with, with uh, Mr. Poitras, and uh, we looked at the luncheon menu, and uh, and then we we just decided on... Um, on having muscles, and Larry likes them uh, regular, and I like them uh, fra diablo, and you can get them Portuguese style too. Muscles, one of their featured items on the menu at uh, the Roast House, Blackstone, Massachusetts. I got one more advertisement here in the uh, rotation, and um, uh, oh yes, want to mention again Community Care Alliance. They have a um, Medicaid information session. Here are the details. Another Medicaid information meeting is coming Thursday, June 15th. If you or someone you know is on Medicaid, you should know that the annual Medicaid renewals resumed April 1st and will be ongoing for the next year. The most important thing Medicaid members can do right now is update their contact information so that the state can send important updates about coverage. Community Care Alliance staff will help you get it done. Just drop in at 55 Cummings Way on June 15th. Sessions are from 1 to 3 p.m. Help sessions are free and an easy way to ensure that you don't lose coverage. See you Thursday, June 15th at 55 Cummings Way, Woonsocket. That announcement says uh, from 1 to 3, and uh, that's accurate. However, they've expanded the hours from noon to 4, including 1 to 3 in there. So that's noon to 4 this coming Thursday at 55 Cummings Way. Thank you. 
Get back to the panel. Uh, now we're going to correct the name of the public-private uh, company that's uh, trying to come in here to develop. I a, just got a, a, text. a high school. I just got a text from one of the councils. It's Civic Builders. Civic Builders is the name of the company. Yes. Okay. And I want to thank that council person, the councilman, All right. for that information. The second thing, and then we'll grab a caller here and uh, get a question. So. It looks like the administration has dug deep into this because this resolution that I was looking at tonight covers um, uh, real estate. And it looked like some planning has been done in the background. And then because it's sponsored by so many of the council members. uh, So tonight is the night they discuss it. When do you as a school committee discuss this? Well, we've got it on our agenda uh, for this Wednesday. All right. So um, it sounds like almost like a fast track type of thing. Well, we've been dealing with this for a while now. I mean, uh, P3 um, has had to go through phase one, uh, stage one, like we did with uh, RIDE uh, for our uh, school projects. Uh, now they're, 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 they're ready to apply uh, to go to uh, f- stage two, to f- prepare and finalize stage two, and that'll be submitted. So it, they've been working hard. Uh, that committee has been working very hard over the last few, many months on this. For my notes, uh, Paul, will you give me the name of the company again? Civic what? Civic Builders. Civic Builders. Hopefully I got it right now. Yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> me, too. <laughs> All right. All right, let's, uh, let's take our caller, and uh, Mr. Bourget is uh, ready to talk to you. Go ahead. All right, Mr. Bourget, I have some uh, questions for you. Number one, how many graduates did you have this year? Uh, we had over 300. There were 280 that received diplomas on graduation day. But uh, there are several, uh, many graduates who will be going to summer school to wrap up and because uh, they got maybe one or two courses where they got to wrap up and hopefully we'll have a lot more. So the two A are those who, who received straight out there. Yeah, they walked, ac- they walked across the stage then last you Friday. Had some that were allowed to walk with a blank on condition that they finished summer school, correct? Um, I'm not sure if they walked. I don't think so. I don't think so. With no, there's only no. 280, right? Right. So, right. no. They used to let him walk on condition. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they walked, okay. but, but that's a good point. They might have. All right. And the other thing, uh, you had nine on Rhode Island Honor and 18 on National? Uh, there was at least. I thought it was much that was, higher. There was, it's much higher. On, yeah. on graduation day, that's what the program might have said. But I know that... Okay, uh, because I find that very, very low with the number of students. Typically, typically every year for the Rhode Island and National Honor Societies, and the induction ceremonies, they're usually in the 60s. You'll have about 30-some-odd for Rhode Island Honor Society and maybe 30-some-odd for the National Honor Society. And you're right. It was a little low. It was lower this year. All right. I got to go um, because okay. we're out of time. I'll get back to you. It's very interesting. Thank you. Um, and uh, from uh, the previous program, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I just uh, spotted the email. This is, um, you can't answer this uh, for the registry. Um, good morning. <laughs> Would you like to? I'm not even going to try that one. Good morning, gentlemen. Just tuned in, so excuse my question if it's already answered. We were talking with uh, Bud Craddock from uh, the uh, registry of motor vehicles, and uh, it's called the driver privilege license for 
undocumented immigrants. And our caller asks, if they can't speak English, how will they read the traffic signs? And by the way, I like the new appointment system. So as far as the appointment system is concerned, I'm glad you like it. And, uh, and it's working nice for the registry. As far as uh, the people can't speak English, there is a, um, uh, a whole program. Uh, the reason I held back on your question is I wanted to get the answer uh, while uh, Paul was uh, talking. And I did. I reached out. Uh, there is a program where they have to go through. Uh, they have to apply for a permit. Uh, they have driver education and all the business of, uh, of translating stop. And yield and all that is covered so that even though they can't speak English, they will learn the basic terms uh, that you see on street signs um, uh, so, so that, um, so that you know, there are, I can't speak Spanish, but I know a whole bunch of Spanish words that I have learned through, um, uh, shall we say, attrition. So, uh, so, yes, they probably won't be able to, some of them won't be able to speak English. But they will be able to uh, recognize street signs as part of the process of getting that uh, driver's privilege uh, card, which is um, uh, the uh, ability to be on the uh, streets driving a vehicle legally. Now back to Mr. Borget. Thank you for being here with us. Any, uh, with a minute to go, anything that I might not have covered on this uh, resolution before the council uh, tonight. I just want to wish the council well, as well as the mayor. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, they're going to get to a, con- a satisfactory conclusion on this P3 project. Uh, and we look forward to, to that information, hopefully tomorrow. And you support the, the concept? The concept is, it's, it's, it's all in the details. The concept is a good one. Uh, WED would gain, the city would gain on, on, on two fronts. The Rice High School, as well as the Wed Elementary School. Um, I just hope everything will work out very well for everyone. Now for our listeners, definition of terms. Wed. Wed is not getting married. No, actually not. That stands not. for Woonsocket Education Department. Right. right. Sometimes I feel that I am wed <laughs> to wed. Have a good day, Mr. Barger. <laughs> you too, Roger. Bye-bye. Thank you. This has been WNRI's Upfront. Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket. 9 o'clock in the morning, WNRI Woonsocket, Rhode Island.